0: Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad.
1: Hey, Craig, good morning. Good morning, Shai. How's your day going? doing
2: great man thanksgiving week we made it
1: yeah it's it's like where'd the year go and we're already into 2016 planning with many clients and it's fantastic but wow did it go fast
2: it does go fast but i do love this time of year what are your plans for thanksgiving
1: staying around locally and spend time with family and friends how about you Yeah, we're hosting again this year. I always
2: love having our family together and friends. And, you know, it's just a time of year, I think, when we're all thinking about our business interests. But it's also a time where we sort of take a a little break right in the middle of the week and really have some time to focus on what's important. We always do that thing where we go around the room and people tend to talk about what they're thankful about. I don't know if you do that tradition.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's amazing what comes out once in a while from family. <laughs>
2: it is. Sometimes I guess it's that be careful what you wish for thing, right? But, uh, but it is. It, you know, it seems kind of corny, but sometimes really profound things come out around that table. And I have to tell you, this past week, actually, as you know, I had a a little bit of a short-term emergency with a close friend that's ill in the hospital, actually, in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, I was talking with you during that time. It was tough decision-making also, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it really was. It really was. You know, what happened is my good friend, uh, Lee Von Seldnick, he's just a great man and a great ambassador for that city that he loves so much and, and also for the world. He's just one of those people that makes the world a better place. And he and Kelly, his wife, he's been dealing with a disease and he's, you know, he's not doing great. And we had planned, me and a few of our mutual friends had planned on going out there to try to cheer him up. we were going to watch a little football and hang out, just to have a nice afternoon together. And Kelly called on Wednesday morning and uh, let us know that he was in the ICU. And so I guess we just hadn't realized that he was in that bad of shape, that he might end up in intensive care. And so we were all in a little bit of shock, and eventually what happened is we jumped on a conference call, right? And so it's me and and a couple of my close friends, and two of them run their own businesses, very successful entrepreneurs, and the other one is an educator. And we got on the phone and started talking about, okay, well, oh, my gosh, you know, I guess this is really serious. And we all immediately went to our calendars and started saying, hey, can we get there quicker than Sunday? And the talk was about, okay, I think I can move this meeting, but I can't, there's no way I can move this other meeting or here's this client visit and there's no way I can move that. And we'd kind of figured that maybe if we worked really hard, we might be able to get there by Thursday evening or maybe Friday evening. And then it sort of came to the question of, well, what's really going on here? You know, we really don't know just how ill he is. And I started thinking to myself, what if I just wait till Thursday evening and I go and something happens and I don't get to see him again. And I just, I didn't really want to live with that answer.
1: It's amazing how we're caught up in our business world or our normal day-to-day operations. And, you know, something comes up and we're trying to fit it into our normal schedule, just like we do everything and triage it. And sometimes we miss the symptoms. It sounds like you guys ran into this, oh my gosh, you know, is it really something that we should be treating at the same level we treat everything else? Or does it require more?
2: Yeah, it it really is like a reality check, right? And one of the guys said, all of a sudden, hey, why are we still on the phone talking about this? And at that moment, we all knew what that meant. You know, it just, it became so obvious. And we had processed through this shock and all kind of came to the right conclusion at the same time. And we got off the phone and we all started heading for Philadelphia. And Lee, by the way, is doing a little better he 's stable right now and and lee, if you 're listening today and Kelly, uh, we definitely i want to send a shout out to you and your city of brotherly love. What a perfect place for you to be. Uh, we love you, buddy, and we 're with you, and look forward to you getting better and being around for a long time so we can all enjoy each other 's company
1: perfect time of year to do that
2: yeah, thinking on that just so valuable to have that experience even in a very difficult time. But it really, you know, made me focus and think about, you know, the bigger things in life. And I think this is the time of year when you do that. And it, and it really relates back to your business in a lot of ways, don't you think, Craig?
1: Yeah, it, you constantly are dealing with day-to-day operations, and you're making decisions in real time. And many times, there are decisions you made very similar to others, repeat decisions. But we can run into these that we think it looks just like everyday decision and it's not until we stop and take a breath and we realize it's far deeper than that, that this decision has many more connotations and deserves an extra level of effort and consideration. Then we get to a more profound quality decision making has to do with goals and vision, where we are and where we want to be. So as you reflect on last week, what is your view on the decisions that were made? It's
2: funny, you know, I think about it. And I guess the biggest thing for me is that fact that we were all coming from this place initially of all the things that we had to do, all the appointments that we just could not miss. Right. They were just so important that we couldn't miss them. And I feel like we got to the right answer eventually, which is that our friend was way more important than any of these these things that were in our calendars, right? But it took us a little while to get there. And that's what stands out is I think when there's an emergency like this, I hope that in the future we'll get there quicker. I hope I'll get there quicker, just in my mind of kind of defaulting more to what that big picture is about what's important.
1: It's a step back from your normal to everyday operations for your business decisions, your professional and career decisions, and all the little decisions you make during the day.
2: This is such a great insight. And it also speaks to inertia and sort of just being in your routine and your default position. Think of all the things we're anchored to, right? Our calendars, our phones, the rhythm and the way we design our weeks to be efficient. And these are things that happen in life. And they are things like this that happen in business, where frequently our first answer to the question is the wrong answer.
1: Fortunately, we have a number of people around us that challenge us just like your friends.
2: Yeah, that's really the trick. I mean, I think if I was take anything away from this, that that mentoring experience of having friends around you and working through the decisions and hearing yourself speak out loud and having that reflected back, you know, it was a time where, like I said, we got to the right place. But it's just ironic to me that it wasn't automatic. You know, what could be more important than your friends and your family?
1: As we say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. It looks so easy looking back on last week from a decision making standpoint.
2: It really is. And another lesson here is this really provides some context of thinking about planning for next year and you know, a lot of us are looking at our businesses and thinking about different goals and those very concrete sort of strategic planning for the year ahead. And it's it's also a time to maybe take a step back. And maybe that's something that all of us should do this year and maybe on a more regular basis is try to take a step back and see beyond just those milestones you're going to set for how much your earnings are going to be or how many sales you want or uh, what new marketing plan you're going to deploy to reach this many people. Taking a step back and kind of remembering why you're in the game in the first place. That's
1: a great point. And I understand we have a great guest that spends a lot of time in this sector.
2: That's right, Craig. Our guest today is Peter Mellon. Peter is an entrepreneur with 20 years of experience working in online business and commercial real estate. He is the founder of NetSETO, a network peer advisory group for entrepreneurs. He's also the owner of Mellon Investment Properties, a real estate firm that invests in commercial property. And Peter, I know you've been listening in this morning, and I'd like to start off by asking you, what types of things should a business owner be thinking about as they look to plan for 2016.
3: You know, I think it's very easy for us as entrepreneurs to make it through the change of the year, the beginning of a new year, without giving any thought to the year ahead. Particularly if we're running very small businesses, the question of planning, you know, sort of never manages to make it above the radar of all the other things that we get called into. And in larger businesses, maybe you have some planning systems set up for your business, but, you know, there's an open question as to whether you have a planning system set up for yourself. So, you know, the first thing to think about is, for starters, to get intentional, to use the cycle of a new year as an opportunity to look backwards in terms of what you've accomplished and what you're grateful for and what's happened over the year past, and then to use it as an opportunity to look ahead.
2: In the work that Craig and I do with business owners, it's evident that finding time to spend on strategic thinking and really thinking about how their activity in their business relates to their life is something that is just not front of mind. Exactly.
3: And it's understandable, right? I mean, as entrepreneurs, there's a very strong pull in our lives to the things that are urgent and important. And as entrepreneurs who own every single aspect of the businesses that we run, it's very hard to create or find time that takes us into the category of things that are important but not urgent, things like planning and things like thinking strategically about where we stand, in essence, coming up from the trees to the forest.
2: And, you know, we do so much work around inside the business setting key performance indicators, right? We we like to find our KPIs for certain sales benchmarks. We try to find KPIs for other financial benchmarks that help us run our business better. And sometimes we lose sight about what our personal KPIs
3: are or could be. Yeah, exactly. I'm chuckling shy because you're really putting your finger, you know, on on the place where I think you probably know that I'm going to go with this, which is that to the extent that people do engage in the planning process, my experience is that entrepreneurs tend to think in terms of their financial goals, or if they're really kind of like a step forward, maybe they're going to telescope up to the level of strategy. So they're thinking beyond just revenue and costs, and they're thinking about what new initiatives do I want to create for my company, what my hiring goals be, You know, sort of tying their financials into strategic goals. But there is an opportunity, I think, that a lot of entrepreneurs don't get an opportunity to explore around something that can provide even more fulfillment in terms of their role as an entrepreneur.
2: And so how do you get the entrepreneur to stop and take a deep breath and a step back and think about what am I working towards? What is the big why that I'm doing all of these things? What does that mean for me and my family and my future?
3: The planning process for a lot of entrepreneurs will tend to stop around SMART goals, creating specific, measurable, actionable, time-bound goals that are realistic, you know, the classic SMART acronym. And there's not a lot of thought given to, well, why am I creating those goals? And so what I think gets missed in the planning process is that there's actually an intermediate step that can be hugely valuable for any entrepreneur, which is to go even upstream you know, even to the things that are closer to home when we think about why am I creating these goals? What's the purpose of getting another 10 percent in revenue or another 10 percent in net income? Why am I doing that? Or, you know, even if it's something that gets to more personal, you know, what's the purpose of developing a meditation practice or a physical exercise practice or improving my diet? And when people really dig deeper in terms of asking, What will the world look like when I get there? What happens if I've already accomplished my goal of increasing revenue by 10%? They often find some surprising answers. So what might be on the other side of that 10% is I want to get that extra 10% in revenue or net income so that I can travel more or so that I can find more time to have with my family or so that I can just have a little bit more freedom in my week or in my day where I can take a breath. And the surprising thing is when people go into SMART goals without answering those questions or exploring those questions, they end up staying on the treadmill without ever, ironically, having a chance to get the thing that they really wanted in the first place, which was that freedom, that time with their family, or that time to travel.
2: Did you ever have an experience in your life where you thought you wanted something and just worked so hard to get it, and then found yourself not even sure why you did that in the first place or, or found out that what, when you actually achieved that thing, that it really wasn't
3: as satisfying as you thought it would be? Even going back to the time when I was a teenager or even a preteen, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was, I think, 11 or 12 years old when I saw Steve Jobs the first time he appeared on the cover of Time magazine. It was like I instantly fell in love with that vision, that I wanted to be a Silicon Valley entrepreneur. So fast forward about 20 years later, give or take, and after earning my MBA from Georgetown, I managed to largely achieve that dream. I started a venture-backed company in Silicon Valley called Headlight that provided training to small and medium-sized businesses. And we raised about uh, close to $20 million in venture capital. So there was one point in the development of this company where you could argue it was really our brightest moment. We had chosen to sponsor a conference. We were the headline sponsor at a big Silicon Valley conference. And Headlight was going to host one of the key events at this conference at the Sheridan Torrey Pines in San Diego And what I remember very clearly was being in my hotel room, in the bathroom, looking at the mirror, maybe half an hour before this launch event was going to start and looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, wow, you know, I'm here, I've accomplished my goal and thinking I must be really happy. (laughs) And as I looked in the mirror, um, you know, I think at some level, perhaps I thought I was happy, but I think I was also surprised at... How much was missing? You know, as I look back now, I think that there was a level of fulfillment that I had been hoping this launch event and this accomplishment was going to provide for me, that somehow once I got there, that then I would be sort of done. I would be happy. I would have freedom and, you know, kind of even the respect of peers. And it wasn't enough. As I look back, actually, ironically, that was probably one of the toughest and unhappiest moments of my life. So it was a real lesson for me in, in terms of be careful what you wish for.
2: And when you think back on that, have you drilled down to really think about what it was really that was making you unhappy?
3: I feel like shy making sense of these things is life's work. Like the in some senses, we're never done. So I might have an answer a year from now that's different from the one that I give you today. So as I look back, shy, it was a time in my life when I defined success based on a lot of extrinsic factors. And so for me, the brass ring that I was focused on was really creating success that would somehow resonate in the eyes of others, whether that was the next round of venture capital or selling my company or hitting certain revenue thresholds. I think it's very hard to find fulfillment in those sort of extrinsic structures.
1: Peter, can you comment on some of the costs, either direct or indirect, of achieving a goal?
3: Yeah, so it gets to the flip side of it. I mean, I so appreciate Shai's question because it gets to this question of what are we focusing on? You know, what what are we setting as our benchmarks for success in our lives? The story that I told you, is an example of a time in my life where a lot of the benchmarks that I set for myself were extrinsic. And it was like I was looking to these somewhat arbitrary metrics for some kind of validation of who I was or fulfillment in terms of being, for me, frankly, you know, being respected, liked, or even loved in the world. And what shifted over time for me, when I turned 40, I started to do a lot of work around leadership development and, frankly, inner work in terms of just answering this question that we sometimes face in our lives of, how do I find meaning in what I do? And I went through a process, actually a weekend leadership retreat with about 20 other people, and we did some work in terms of exploring these questions of vision, of who we were, And answering the fundamental question of how can I align the essence of who I am as a person and the things that I want in my life and that I love to do with ways in which it provides value to others in the world. That was part of my annual renewal, to do a program like that every year. I do it every year, and I find that it's hugely helpful. And what I've seen as well is that when we provide that opportunity for others through what we do with NetSeto, It's a similar thing when they dig a level deeper into what it is that they're trying to create in their lives. That turn of the year becomes an opportunity to make sure that they are not just aligned with their overall vision, but almost to reinvent themselves. It's like an opportunity to refresh themselves. I
2: feel like what you're talking about is deliberately creating a nudge to overcome inertia. To get yourself off the treadmill, you you have to create this space intentionally to check yourself and really ask that big question about what you're doing and why. Yes, that's the short <laughs> answer. So overcoming inertia is such a challenge and translating that into actionable steps. I mean, you've made a choice. As you've described, you invest annually in making sure that you have a way of checking yourself and a way of ensuring your growth. What could every business owner do? You know, we're coming up on January 1. How can they make this a different year? And what specifically could they do to check themselves and maybe recalibrate where they want to be for 2016?
3: So the first thing is that there needs to be a willingness on the part of the entrepreneur to take a look at what's not working. It's very hard to create goals and vision when you look at your life and you say, oh, everything's great. You know, everything may in fact be great. You may have all of the time that you want with your family. Your business may be performing at the level that you want it to. But starting with things are exactly the way I want them to be is not a powerful way to create change and growth in a life that's better aligned or ideally aligned with the way that you want to have it. So there needs to be a willingness to say, what's wrong? You know, and to be able to turn over the rocks and ask yourself, what's not working about my current life? And then part and parcel with that is then beginning to imagine if my life could be any way that I wanted it, what would it look like?
1: What frameworks can we use to help explore some of these questions?
3: We have a tool that we use with NetSETO called the Merlin Letter, where people put themselves inside an imaginary time machine, and they travel five years into the future. And we ask people, once they've landed at this point, five years into the future, to take a look around them. What is it that you see? What is it that you're hearing? What can you feel, touch, taste? What does that world look like? And it can be a scary thing. It's kind of a weird thing, right? I mean, here you are standing five years in the future, and you're supposed to sort of create this from nothing. But what i found in my own experience is that if I'm just willing to sit there a little bit and close my eyes and imagine what I'm seeing at that point in time, pictures start to emerge. So the first step in the Merlin letter is to imagine what that future looks like. And then with the exercise, what we do is we have someone write a letter to themselves as though they were standing in 2020 and writing to their 2015 selves. And they talk about what the future looks like and how did i get there
2: and when you went through this exercise what types of things did you write in your letter
3: this was actually one of the turning points at which i moved from being extrinsically motivated or being focused more on extrinsic goals to being focused on more intrinsic goals so the first time that i did this exercise i imagined a lot of things i imagined a house that would be filled with the latest technology. I imagined having lots of time with my children. And with work, I imagined having an impact that would extend to not just hundreds of thousands, but literally millions of people. And I shared this with my NetSedo group where we were all doing this exercise together. And they called me out on it and they said, why would you want this number? Like, what is it that's special about a million people? And I really got pushed on it and it made me really begin to question the value of why those numbers were important and to begin to change my compass a little bit and realize that there might be things that would be deeper than the number that would be more fulfilling to me. And I think when I thought about what a million people would mean to me and what that feeling was, the real excitement around that came from doing things that would have an impact on people's lives where people would have an experience in in working with me or using something that I created that would be positive enough that they would be excited about it. As an approach to goal setting, the Merlin Letter has some real advantages over SMART goals because it helps us work at the level of intention rather than concrete results. And so we get freed up to dream a little bit. And then the other thing that happens when we think that far out is that our attention starts to focus on what our ideal world looks like. I mean, it's kind of funny, but when you think about it, in a life where we don't pause, how much time do we have to even imagine what the ideal is? We get so sucked up in dealing with what the day-to-day is. And so when we take that time to imagine a life that's five years from now and imagine what it looks like... Then as we start to see things that look like our vision on that five-year journey, it becomes easier for us to pick them out and to focus our attention on those things.
2: What's exciting about this to me is that entrepreneurs are exceptionally equipped for just this type of exercise. Entrepreneurs are artists. They are primarily creators. And the basic function of creativity is being able to see something that doesn't exist yet. And construct a path to get to that thing. And so in a way, it seems only natural that they would perform an exercise like this on a regular basis. But again, I think somewhere what gets lost along the way is you get started and you jump on board and then it becomes very tactical. And that to me is also the limiting factor in SMART goals is they tend to be very tactical. I think SMART is a great acronym. It's easy to understand and it's great for delegation I think it's very helpful even for self-delegation, but it's only at the first level. Okay, now that I've decided I want this bigger thing, I can set some SMART goals to help knock down milestones. But I love this idea of the Merlin letter as a concept because it really challenges you to go so much beyond that.
3: So I'm smiling right now because this story still surprises me. (laughs) I wrote my first Merlin letter in 2007. And in my Merlin letter, I imagined what my future would look like five years later in 2012. And when I wrote the letter, I included a whole bunch of things in it. What my house looked like, what it was like to be with my family, what my business looked like. And one of the things that was really important was what does my bank account look like? What did things look like in terms of financial security? And the vision that I was imagining at that point in time, you know, I I really wanted to sort of capture like something that would be, is it big and wonderful as I could imagine in 2007? And so I set a crazy number. I set a number that was about 20 times more than the net worth my wife and I had at that moment. And our net worth was not insubstantial. I mean, we weren't rich by any means, but it wasn't like I was starting with $100 and imagining what it would be like to have $2,000. We had a house. We had investment accounts. And so fast forward five years later, the night before I took out my Merlin letter, I was getting ready for bed, and I pulled up my iPhone to look at the latest stock quote and to see what was happening with our portfolio. And I just mentioned in an offhand way to her, I said, Oh, look, we hit a, hit a milestone with our finances. It was one of those big round numbers that you just notice. And I said, Oh, the stock market went up and we hit this number. The next day, I pulled out my Merlin letter and I looked at the letter and it was the same number. It was absolutely huh. astounding. The other thing that I did, actually, because I was so surprised by this whole thing, is that I then went through my letter with two highlighting pens. I had a green highlighting pen and a red highlighting pen. And the green one was for all of the things I had imagined that had actually happened. And the red one was for the things that had not happened where I was just plain wrong or I had been too aggressive in terms of what I imagined. The green highlights outnumbered the red highlights by a factor of about 10 to one.
1: Peter, I think that's a stunning example of goal and vision setting, imagining or reimagining your future and its potential outcome. And to hear a story of actual outcomes realized, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners have that forward-thinking vision of where they want to be and what they want it to look like when they get there. So this annual checkup, It reassesses their goals, visions, and dreams for the future. And as you say, Peter, many times it is a result of the best efforts that include a coach, a peer group, or outside resources that can be brought in to enhance the vision or accelerate the implementation.
3: Craig, I so appreciated what you said. And I think there's a real nugget in there, too, which is that I think so much of the default for how entrepreneurs tackle this question of goal setting, if they tackle it at all, tends to be so much through this aspect of force. It's like, you know, I've got to hit the next 10% in profits or I've got to start my exercise routine. And when we work at that level of trying to get the behavior without incorporating the underlying piece of what our motivation is and coming back to this area of what our vision is, my experience is that as much as we force it, it's very hard to make it work. And I've just seen too many times where people have completed SMART goals, and you check in with them three months later, and not only have they not completed the SMART goals, but the goals aren't even relevant anymore in terms of what's important in their lives.
2: And that's a really important concept, because you are making SMART goals based on assumptions that are going to change. But if you can go deeper and really think about, what do I want my life to look like in five years? Now you're asking the question, what could my life look like? And if you can get clear on that vision, then it doesn't matter if some smart goals don't work out because you can start tracking on a constant arc towards that place you want to be.
3: Yeah, and I think we can only get so far on our own. Perhaps we can cover some ground if we get given the right tools, You know, if we have the right questions that we can answer and explore on our own. But I think where the process really starts to take root deeply is when the conversation starts to happen outside of our head. And we have someone who can help us plug back into, to Craig's point, right? These, How did you put it, Craig? I think you said that all entrepreneurs you know, sort of have a vision that they're guiding them. But so often the vision isn't fully articulated. And so to have a dialogue with someone where that vision exists outside of ourselves and we get held accountable by someone other than us to make it happen, that's where you start to see major changes in terms of what we can accomplish.
2: We've been talking with Peter Mellon, the founder of NetSeto, a network of peer advisory groups for entrepreneurs.
3: Thank you, Shai. It's been a wonderful opportunity to work with you and Craig And to talk about all of the ways in which entrepreneurs can accelerate their performance by thinking about the year ahead in a different way. We actually have a goals guide uh, that we use for NetSedo members that's designed to frame up some questions for how they think about the year ahead. It includes a smart goals template for people who like to work in that domain. It also includes a Merlin exercise. So we actually have that exercise laid out in a way that makes it easier for people to get started, as well as some other tools. And so I'd be happy to share that guide with your listeners. It'll be available online for anyone who wants to access it.
2: Oh, that's great. We'll certainly put that up with the show notes for this week's episode. And you can also learn more about Peter Mellon at petermellon.com. And that's Mellon, M-E-L-L-E-N.com and also about his company, Netcito at netcito.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Shai Gilad.
1: And I'm Craig Mullen.
2: Learn more about our show at businessownersradio.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com.